This is the Smooth Operator Podcast. I'm Adam Liette, Director of Operations for a seven-figure online business and eight-year veteran of Army Special Operations. On this show, we get into the tactical nitty-gritty of what it really takes to run a thriving online business because at the end of the day, operators lead the way. What's up, Smooth Operators? Welcome to Friday's episode of the show. You know it. It's Friday, everyone's favorite day of the week, and my favorite day because we get another interview with an amazing person that I met. I, I'm geeking out about bringing this person onto the show because we found each other on Facebook somehow. I don't know who found who, but either way, we, we became Facebook friends. And I started reading your post. I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're the same person. Like everything <laughs> she's saying, I'm like, yes, so much. This is great. And um, just all in the same way. Like, I think when you meet people like that, like you just got to reach out and be like, yes, we got to talk. We got to network because networking, this space is lonely guys. I don't know if you've experienced that yet, but getting out there, meeting people, forming relationships, it's not just about the Facebookies. It's also about actually getting on zoom calls, collaborating. And there's so much to be gained from that. That being said, I'm already talking way too long because I want to bring on Alexis Bartok. She is the CEO at Process to Profit. She's an operations nerd just like all of us. So she's going to get in the weeds on our favorite topic, really what it means to build the machine that runs our companies. She primarily works with coaches and agency owners to help them build that structure, build those processes, all those things that we know make it worth it, make that company shine and bring us to that next level of growth. So let me go ahead and bring on Alexis. Thank you so much for joining me today. How's everything going? Thanks, Adam. I am absolutely psyched to be here. It's a cold day and I'm pumped to warm it up talking to you. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's colder here, but we can have that contest. If I, I think <laughs> I'll, win. I'll always win. Yes. You'll win. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So we were sharing a bit before we we kicked off here, and I I love origin stories. I think it's so interesting how we all came to this place and like found this natural thing inside of us. Where oh, that's why this makes sense. So I'd love to hear more about what brought you here and and how you became the operator that you are. Yeah, I mean, I think most of us that are integrators operators, we've had this type A personality most of our lives. Um, and so there's a whole type of background with it in terms of, you know, creating systems in childhood and all of that. But professionally, um, I actually started as a VA at a digital marketing agency. And that really opened up, as you were saying, Pandora's box of what it meant to work online. I just didn't even know that existed until then. And through that, I got a lot of the amazing experiences that I use today in terms of what processes are, because I think agency owners experience it on a whole different level than anyone else in terms of service providing. Um, so really within a year and a half working there, I was promoted multiple times and offered a position of COO. Ended up turning it down because I just like, I get bored <laughs> um, and I wanted to try out my own thing. So I was doing some freelancing and then COVID hit. And with COVID, I think a lot of us just craved stability. So I ended up hopping back in as an executive assistant at another online business. And within four months there, I was actually offered the COO position and I was like, okay, 
I think there's some operations in me that I just can't get out. So that was an amazing opportunity. Um, again, that COO position, I actually only stayed at it for about a week because I have a core value of whoever you're working with. You should be wanting to be there for three, five, 10 years in the future. That's just my own personal core values. And I realized that I really wanted to go out and help more people on my own. So back in May of 2021, I launched my own business and here we are. That is so cool. I love that ascension. It's something I teach people all the time. Like you hire with the intention of ascending people, bringing them to that next level in your company. And if you're not hiring, like you might want to relook at your hiring process. But yes. I think there's going to be a whole bunch of like virtual nods out there. But us operators, we live with process. And so like outside of the business, like where do you have processing even in your own life. That's so fantastic. I'm laughing because you're going to laugh at me. So actually in the past month, my boyfriend and I decided to move in together, which was very exciting. But when we sat down to do it, he goes, okay, if we do this, can you systemize our life? And I was like, do you know who you're talking to? And so we actually sat down, created a plan of like literal home processes of who does cooking, who does shopping, who does all of that. We have a schedule, like I've set up a notion board. So <laughs> this uh, love for order and process is not just business. It is all around. Um, it's a lot of fun. And I'm very lucky to have a partner who loves that part of me and uses it to his advantage. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. I actually, I live in Asana and I even have like my daily morning checklist, my, all my, everything's in there. And I joked with someone, I love sports, but I hate commercials and I hate, I, I had to optimize even my sports watching experience. So I will record the game and start watching it halfway through. So I catch up by the end. So it's <laughs> these little stupid things we find in ourselves because we're always optimizing our life. It's just this crazy thing. And one of my mentors called it operator, operator personality type. And we are definitely... Mm geared towards it. Have you done a, a disc profile or anything like that? Do you do any of those kind of assessments? I have. I haven't done a disc in a while. So if you asked me my results, I couldn't tell you right now. Um, I do use the Enneagram pretty often specifically for hiring processes. And so I'm an Enneagram three, um, which probably makes sense as to why I had to keep jumping around until I launched my own <laughs> business. But yeah, what about you? Enneagram, I think I was a for was I? I'd have to check back. It's been a while. Uh, disc. I'm a super high D, like mm. ridiculously high D. Yeah. Which Amazing. you are too, if you didn't. I'm know. sure. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm sure. I think I was when I did it, which again was years ago. So I probably would have be different now. Um, but I was high in C as well, and a lot of visionaries are low on C. So. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's my adaptive. Actually, my adaptive. C goes up to the roof too. Mm, yeah. We're usually quite like operations was very cautious. We like being stable. Stability is really important to most of our personalities, which is also something I try to let clients know is that, you know, we need stability, which comes with us creating the processes and not mm -hmm. jumping from place to place. <laughs> so, yeah. Fantastic. So you mentioned, uh, this is a good segue because you mentioned using Enneagrams in your hiring process. I know that's part of the service you offer is 
like you actually hire people for your clients. Is that correct? Yeah, it depends on the level of client and what they're in in need of. Um, I have like a recruitment system that I can can be done with you or done for you. I'm definitely not a recruiter in terms of hiring C-level. I have people that I would suggest out. But similar to what you mentioned in the beginning, I really believe most people need more of an entry-level executive assistant or account manager. And I use an organic hiring method to source their community that they already have to find Mm. someone that's already committed and obsessed with their vision, maybe has been following them, listening to their podcasts for a while and will just come in and with the proper SOPs and training can just love it and really have that Ascension plan over the next few years to go from similar to how I did executive assistant to project manager to whatever feels right for the business. I love that sourcing from within. It's like the like if you have a following, you have your hiring pool ready yes. for you. Because um, I was former director of operations at this company that I used to work for. And the person that replaced me was hired as a 10, 10 hour a week assistant. And within a year and a half was the director of ops. Because yes, like she came in and there's so much to be said about culture and already having buy-in on the vision and the purpose of the, the organization. I think there's that's a hidden secret that should be more professed. We should make a Facebook post about that. That goes viral, <laughs> like your one the other day. Did oh, <laughs> I know. Good. But yeah, that's kind of a big going back to the whole core value of someone that's going to want to be there for a while. I mean, if you come in, sometimes you come in as an assistant. Like it sounds like we maybe both had come in mm-hmm. not knowing what you're going to be, but you fall in love with the vision, fall vision, fall in love with the clients and everything that is happening in the business, you already know the processes. So it's so much simpler to optimize. So yeah, for clients, I usually suggest hiring from within. However, there are plenty of times when it's like, you should just hire an operator or integrator. But for that, I usually source um, from my Rolodex of people. Absolutely. So what does the hiring process look like for you? Because I see, I mean, we've all seen it. The the person that just posts in a Facebook group, hey, who's got recommendations? Which I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Um, but what does the hiring process look like when, you, when you're bringing someone on? Yeah, there's a lot of prep work that goes into hiring. And um, I've been with, I've worked with clients. I've been when I worked in companies with client, I'm, I'm sorry, in companies where they just were those ones that posted and said, Hey, looking for a VA looking for this. And there's no actual information, which nine times out of 10, when we go to hire, we're doing it out of stress instead of actual planning. So I would say you're not ready to hire until you have everything prepared. So typically for me, that's three phases. That means we need to audit whatever's going on. We need to optimize, which is going to be, you know, all of the schedules, the actual scorecards, everything like that. And then we need to replicate. And that's going to be the SOPs. That's going to be actually, basically, I like to say we're cloning you, the business owner out of the day-to-day operations. So mm-hmm. getting the SOP set up for that. And then you expand, which is where you post your hiring post and start the interviewing process and all of that. So there's like a whole level before we even get to that post. And that post is very specifically laid out in a way that it's 
leveraging the core values and the expectations of the of the position. Um, because really in the end, you are just like you would sell a client, you are selling to your team and your team needs to come in, be super excited by the vision, be super excited about the position. And when they read, when someone reads the post, they should be like, that is what I've been looking for. Oh, I love it. I love <laughs> it because it's sales. I, I, that's something I teach as well. Like you, oh, I just need a post. Maybe you need a landing page. <laughs> Why not? I've included social proof on 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 job specs before because oh that's amazing because it builds excitement and makes people go oh, I really want to be involved with this and what yeah. are you doing then I mean I, you're attracting your A players like right. you're making them want to work with you not just because it's a gig but I I just genuinely believe it's so easy to say oh I'm just gonna work for money and uh, whatever like I want to work for. I want to live to work as well. Like I want to come to work and be excited to be here, not just to punch my clock until I get out for the day. Yeah. Life's too darn short. It is. And I think, you know, for the operators that are listening, it's important to figure out what your core values as a human being are, because then when you're looking at the different jobs, it's not necessarily just about salary and day to day, truthfully, in the next three to five years, operators are going to be more in demand than anyone else in the industry, especially with AI and everything else that has come out. Nothing can replace a project manager, a planner, like you have, that is really what creates the machine. That's what makes a business grow. So when you're looking at different businesses and saying, where do I want to spend the next three, five 10 years, if you can think that far, which can be scary, but if you can think that far ahead, I always look like you mentioned, I look at people's testimonials before bringing them on as clients. Like, are they really making an impact? How can I make an impact? Because if you're coming in as a full-time operator and like you are signing on with this business, you will take this business and scale it a hundred percent. So it's a big responsibility, but it's also very exciting. And shivers, love it. <laughs> and I agree. I think our role is it's I, I've seen firsthand and secondhand. I mean, the value that a really solid operator can have on a business and just enabling that visionary to be what they do. You know, go go be a visionary. Let us let us handle this. We got this. You stay over there. So what are some of the skill sets? that we can develop to be better operators, to run the businesses better? And like, how, how, how are you continuously leveling yourself up? Such a good question. Um, two parts to that. The first would be a really important part of being an integrator or an operator, like a right hand to a CEO is you have to have a lot of confidence. And I don't think that's talked about a lot in the operations space, but often a lot of us, I'm actually not introverted, I'm quite extroverted, but a lot of us are typically a little more shy, a little more specific in how we like things. And to be a really good integrator or operator, you should be confident to say no to your boss, quote unquote. So you should be able to say, Hey, that's awesome. But if you want to launch that thing next week, that's going to push these three things off. So which one do you want? 
And so there has to be a level of certainty and clarity in not just your role, but yourself and where the business is headed in order to be, um, I would say, really, really owning your role in order to really step up as someone that's going to help scale the business. Mm. In terms of what am I personally doing, I love reading books. I love the more clients I work with, the more I level myself up. Um, And quite honestly, the thing that's pushed me the most has been stepping into more of a visionary role for my own company. It was very difficult to, you know, I think sometimes as operators, we start to have this belief that it's easy to run a business because we run the back end. And so we're like, I don't get why this, this, and this isn't happening because this, this, and this is happening. And it's difficult as the business owner at times, and it can help to understand coming from this angle that business isn't always linear. And when you think so process oriented, you're like, this is how it works. But recently it's been much more personal development, self-development and putting myself out there that has caused me to level up more than anything. Mm. I love that so much. And historically I'm a, like, I can't get enough of like reading the old books and like, there's a lot of inspiring stories now, but like some Roy Disney and Walt Disney mm, yes. study that relationship. Like there's been movies made about it, books made written, written about it. R- Walt drove Roy absolutely out of his mind because Walt was just, Walt was Walt and Arnold's bankrupted the company eight times and Roy stuck in and the, the story, I don't want to give it all away. Yeah, got you guys got to do some work too. Read some, read about Roy Disney. <laughs> but then at the end of his life, after Walt died, Roy took over, and we have Walt Disney World because of Roy Disney. Walt died after he announced it. Yeah, so it's, it's crazy how Roy was able to flip that switch and make my children very very happy and my bank account a lot less. <laughs> but such as it's it. true, and I think even just reading. That is something that has shifted for me as well as been reading stories like that and like recognizing how much failure both of them had to go through in order for what's created today. And sometimes, like I mentioned, as operators, we have this like such a linear process driven thought. It's like sometimes you have to go through the hard stuff in order to really enjoy and create the vision. Mm. it's powerful love it although failure sucks but like how are we approaching failure what are we taking from it and sometimes it just requires walking going through a walk in the woods i did that this weekend i sat in a tree stand for two days why because just being with ourselves and like reflecting is just so powerful it's huge and i would also venture to say that failure doesn't suck failure, we have been trained to believe and associate failure and discipline with a, a negativity. And really failure is a celebration because we tried. And I have a new quote to put on my wall, Alexis. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, but I will say mentioning what you just mentioned is a game changer and it's thinking time. And this is a, from the book Essentialism, where in the last 50 years, it's the first time that human nature, we've ever had too much to take in, too much to deal with, where now we have decision fatigue and analysis paralysis, where it used to be kill, eat, that's it. 
<laughs> sleep, <laughs> stay alive. Right. And so with that, especially with social media, it is massively, massively underrated to shut everything off and take time for thinking to disconnect. And I think as operators, that's a huge deal for everyone, not just operators or visionaries or anything, but to once a month, take two days with no phone. And once a quarter, I try to take at least a week, a long weekend with no phone. And it's scary and good and yummy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. And so needed because we need to unplug. And I'll tell a funny story about myself. We were getting, I was taking my children to Walt Disney world and they, the kids were determined I was not working on this trip. And so as we're packing the car, my eight-year-old kept a look on my laptop and made sure it stayed where it was. (laughs) My boyfriend does that. (laughs) But I do think that's a really interesting point. And I was just on a call before this talking about this, that oftentimes as operators and in the industry, we only talk about making sure that the visionaries or the CEOs take their time to not be in the day-to-day so we can take it on. But it's so important to have a backup plan. So that way, if you're an operator, you also take the time and you're not always working, which means that you need to create the scorecard and the SOPs for your work. Because if all you're doing, if it's all just in your brain, then there's no way out. And you've actually just taken on what the issue was for the founder. So it's still not a machine. You have to create the machine. You can still be the one running it but you should be able to walk away, whether you're the director of operations or an assistant. Absolutely. And that's a good segue because that requires a couple of different things. You know, SOPs, I know you have a great guide on SOP creation, which I can maybe, it's in your Facebook group, right? So I'll link to your Facebook group. Um, But it requires even us to be able to delegate, which is that word that no one wants to talk about. And you start saying delegating, oh, no. So how have you found success even when we need to delegate or helping clients delegate? Because it's a hard thing for people to let go of. It is. Um, I could get real technical, so I'm going to stay a little high level. <laughs> um, the first thing to recognize is, this is going to sound a little woo-woo, but it's how much we wrap up our identity and our ego in our work. And so a lot of times when we don't want to delegate or we're afraid to delegate, it's because we believe that we are the best at what we do. There's no possible way that someone else could take this on. And then really, if someone else could take this on, how does that affect your ego? Like how, if someone could run my entire business, my my business is my worth, then what's going to happen to me? And so mm-hmm. even as operators, like I, this was something I really struggled with when I was working in the businesses was that it made me feel really good and really important to be the one that was the fixer. That was the one managing and running things. And so to delegate felt like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen if I'm not needed anymore? Like, what about my job security? And so a lot of times operators don't actually want to write their SOPs and their scorecards because they want that job security. And that's, again, going back to the company with the vision and everything is like, it it shouldn't be about that. So Mm. first part is actually dealing with your inner stuff, (laughs) which is continual. 
But if you can't do that, then the tactics won't matter. Right. But in terms of the delegation tactically, the there's even more there, but we'll start really simple, which would be the three steps where you'd want to define the task. You'd want to extract the task. So I'd say the fastest way to extract something is just record a loom video of you doing it. Um, that makes it super simple. And then you don't have to spend a bunch of time creating the SOP, which you can, but really you should either outsource that or have one person on your team that's responsible for all SOP creation. And then it's actually assigning. So we uh, defined, we extracted, and then we assign. And in the assign, that's where you communicate it to the team member, create, you know, hey, this is the task. This is, I'd love to have it done by Friday at two. That way I could review it and be open for feedback Friday at four before we head off. So mm. super specific executive communication. See, now it's easy, guys. You can do it. <laughs> I can go into a whole nother level of it, but we'll leave it at that and maybe do another episode another time <laughs> on just delegation. For sure. And I mean, you're right. It's scary. Like I I offloaded, I was our email. I did all the email stuff, all the under the hood automation. And I'm an Infusionsoft nerd. I love it. Mm. But it was like, I had to offload it. And I did it in about 60 days, which is crazy, the number of things I had to build. But like, it is possible. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, when we get to the other side, it's like, oh, this is nice. I was afraid <laughs> of this. And it's actually really nice. When you get to the other side, you don't know how you did it all. And right now, you're not really doing it all. You're doing things just to get it done. Whereas... I like to use this analogy of the entrepreneurial ascension ladder, and it's true for both entrepreneurs and operators, really for anyone, um, where in order to scale, whether it's scaling the business or scaling your job um, or your salary, your responsibilities, your tasks and the responsibilities that you have must grow up the ladder. So if you are stuck on the lowest rung of doing inbox management or sending and updating spreadsheets, that is a certain level task. Whereas if you can get 10, 15, 20 hours off of you right there, we can get you up a few rungs. Now you're more an operations manager, director of operations role. So it's mm -hmm. seeing how freeing things up really supports the business and you in the long run. And it's following a model, which makes us happy anyway. <laughs> Can you tell I'm an operator? <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> yes. I, I, I guess models, roadmaps, ascension paths, process, like all these things give us clarity. They give us support. They give us that little foundational stability that we need to have the courage to click send and to yeah. move ahead with anything. So the more I think you create those, in your life, in your business, with your team, like the more you're just setting yourself up for long-term success. And like everyone loves to be, to feel like they got, like I, my team members called it the, I feel like you got an operator blanket around all of us. <laughs> just, just protecting us. Which is I love cool. it. Yeah. And then really what that enables us to do, I mean, there's a certain flow we need to be in to really do our jobs. And to really be able to manage everything. I mean, if we're not doing everything, right? You're mm -hmm. not doing everything. You're managing now. Like, how do you 
like get in the place you need to be to be the rock solid operator you are on a like personal level or on a personal uh, prefer personal and professional it's definitely both yeah i think oftentimes in this space in this industry we focus so heavily on the business and we focus so heavily on our careers and what we're doing and where we're going that we forget to take time and recognize that there's like five other areas of life. And if you're only optimizing for the one, others are struggling. And so that was another thing when you asked earlier about leveling up is I've been so much more intentional in the last year to support all areas of life and really choose two each quarter to focus on. So like, for instance, next quarter Q1, I'm focusing on business and health and getting back into my health routines. Um, so for me, even just having wind down routines and routines to like, at the end of the day, I'm stopping work. And the way that is proven is that I go for a walk and that means I'm done and it's off or, you know, at night I'll read a book 30 minutes before bed. So no phones, no anything like all that stuff that we hear we should do. And we're like, that sounds nice, but just do them. (laughs) But there's also a flow to it. I think. Um, as operators, we live in our masculine energy a lot. Like we really like processes, check boxes, everything. And a lot of times it's like, what do I need today? And is that a walk? Is that a book? Whatever it is I need today, it's to focus on that and recognize that stress and overwhelm are just a feeling and they're a choice and you get to choose to feel them, which means you can choose to not feel them. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a lot. Yeah, I I think there's more to that. And that's been a big, has been, you know, there's this association that high achievers should be stressed out and should be overwhelmed and are constantly running around and are busy. And I think as operators, like when I was working for, the multi seven seven figure business. And I was the director of operations there. That was kind of how it felt. And it was just because that was the, the culture that was created. And without meaning to, we can recognize that as operators, we actually create a lot of the culture. And when we recognize like being anxious, being stressed, being overwhelmed has no correlation to success. Mm. And we get to decide how we feel and how we make others feel. And that's the big one because whatever we're feeling and we're putting out is what the team is going to internalize. Like our team is, our teams are looking at us and they're modeling after us in a huge way. So like, what energy are you putting out? This, these Ooh. are the mirror. These are the mirror <laughs> moments, guys. But- I just saw it on your face. You were like, oh, no, <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I think, you know, you also as an operator, you cannot play a victim. And yeah. the CEO, or they are known for jumping around from idea to idea. And that's OK, as long as. Make others around you feel at ease. So big. Oh, huge. With that, man. Okay. I don't want to go to further down that rabbit hole. That's a, (laughs) that's a big one. 
but I, I think, yeah, there's just so much to take away just from taking care of yourself, being, having an intention. And I, I, would, I just went to a, a forum the other day where we looked at, it's called the life circle. You know, to evaluate mm-hmm. the, the strength of every aspect of your life. And so what you hit, said just really hit on that. It's like all these things play into each other and they're always influ- influencing each other. So even just improving your health does improve your business. It just yeah. does because you are able to show up in a different way, which is why I was up at four o'clock this morning to go hit the iron before coming to work because that's just something I need to do. I mean, it's just part yeah. of what gives me strength when I show up to work. Not me, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> well, in yeah. fairness, I mean, I did like 12 years in the military. Yeah, that helps. It's kind of ingrained now where it's like part of my identity. Yeah, so, I'm not there, <laughs> but I'm yes. impressed. Although my, we used to do like three and a half hour long workouts. Those are gone. I can't do that anymore. You know, yeah. That's insane. So when working with one thing I... Before we run out of time, I want to circle back because you mentioned like you need to have the confidence to tell your CEO no. Mm. And you have to have the confidence to tell your team members no, right? Just being able to say no. Yeah. What type of resistance have you seen from CEOs when they bring in an operator role? And and how do we best overcome those um, as operators to get the CEO to trust us and work with us? That's a really, really good question. Um, Truthfully, I think sometimes a business isn't ready for an operator and they bring it in. And that's where this type of intense resistance can happen Mm. in that sometimes they need someone more entry level that will ascend, not necessarily an operator. If it's a business that is like a hundred percent ready for an operator, they're excited to have this like almost executive level person coming in to be managing things. One of the important aspects is how open to change the CEO is. And also the understanding of what that relationship is. Because I think from an operator standpoint, we have a job to do. But it's also that the operator and the owner are going to be close. They're going to be talking, building ideas off of each other. And it should be very comfortable to push back both of them. So that's kind of what I mean in terms of the confidence of you have to not be worried about job security. You should actually be bringing security to the company. Mm. And I think what I hit on earlier of the identity and ego and everything is like, if you are a really good operator, you know, you're a good operator and you are excited to put in the time with this company, give the processes, all of that, then there's really never a concern because like I mentioned, operators are always in high demand. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be obviously committing to the long-term vision of this company. It means your vision, you know what your mission is as the operator. You know what the outcomes of your KPIs are, and you are committed to that. Same way that the owner and founder is 
committed to growing and scaling everything. So if you're both committed and aligned with the same vision, you, there's going to be tension, but it's going to yeah. be healthy tension. Kind of like a marriage. It's very similar to a marriage. Not that I'm married, but I like that analogy. Yes. <laughs> of like, if you guys are committed to the same vision and life long-term, there's going to be disagreements, but they're going to be for the best. Absolutely. And it is like a marriage. I'm married, so I, I can't speak on that oh, part of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I found just reading what's that book of on the, the seven love languages? Mm. Um, like stuff like that can really help that relationship as well. Because the CEO operator relationship, I mean, you know, as well as any, it's it's tight and mm-hmm. it is there is friction. But what do we do when we hit friction? Friction, do we run from it or do we lean into it and figure out, figure a way through it? You know, it's yeah. definitely the latter for sure. And so I think, you, think there's, sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. No. We're both too polite. Yes. <laughs> um, I just agree. I think that there's a lot. I do agree. It sounded like I disagree, but it said, I just agree. Um, there's so much love and support given to each other. And I think mentioning what we said about the culture earlier, where a lot of the culture is created from the operator because you're the one doing the one-on-ones with the team and checking in and everything. And so it's like when we're going back to the psychology of operations, when we're so embedded in safety, it's bringing that safety and comfort and deadlines with processes to the team at the same time. And so like our vision is a little bit more team process oriented, where obviously the founders is going to be a little more revenue and sales. So it's not getting lost in either one, but being able to see everything at a whole, as a whole as well. Oh, I love it. This one's full of nuggets. It's going to be fun cutting up for Instagram reels. I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah. So before we run out of time, if you could go back in time, get into your DeLorean, and go back to three years ago, Alexis, like what, what have you learned since then that you wish you would have known back then? It's really interesting. Cause I think, you know, what's so interesting is that I was preparing a end of year review for a client, um, for the client to be hosting the end of year reviews. And I found mine from when I worked at one of these companies in 2019 and I was reading it and I, the company was great. They asked all the questions that I would have had. I had my client ask. And I think the biggest thing back then was that I wasn't happy in my role and I was afraid to make a change because I didn't see my worth. And I also had this weird association that operations it's like boring or lame and it's like not what I should spend my time in and a mentor said to me and he was like why don't you just spend some time doing what you're good at and see how you feel about it a year later and that changed my life because I realized I actually love operations and I found my worth in it and obviously I'm worthy more than just that but I found 
the impact in it. And so right. if I was talking to three years ago, me, I would probably say to not be afraid to do the boring things, the lame things, the things that I find exciting and to just go all in and help as many people as I can and soak up all the knowledge. I love it. I love it. Cause it's about embracing who we are and like what everyone else thinks is nerdy. I mean, for gosh sakes, I majored in classical trumpet. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about nerdy. <laughs> um, but when we're from that place of just fulfillment, like everything else comes in this really beautiful way. And, and that, that, that is what makes you an inspirational leader. That's what makes people follow you because leadership isn't about ordering people. It's about inspiring them to follow you. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much to be taken from that. That's these for those of you listening, these questions were not given to Alexis in advance. This is on the fly. So she is. <laughs> she's an awesome interviewee. So this is great. Thank you. Thank you. And last question before we wrap up, you mentioned one book, but I'm a huge reader as well. And I like to always ask, what are some good books you would recommend for operators to continue their their development? Yeah, I think. Um, profit first is a must, um, even just for your own personal life, <laughs> but business and same author, but clockwork. Um, clockwork is probably the first operations book other than traction or rocket fuel that made it all piece together. And I think clockwork is something that you should read, just be able to, to understand like what we were talking about delegation there's a big difference. And again, this could be a whole nother podcast episode, but there's a big difference between just decision-making and delegation. And a lot of times what we think is delegation is giving someone a task and then they, you still have to be the one to make the decisions. True delegation is when someone completely owns that task, 100%, you're not involved in it at all. And that is rare. And that is actual growth. And I learned that through clockwork. So I think there's a endless supply of knowledge. The issue is a lot of times we read a bunch of books and then we get overwhelmed by all the opportunities and all of the systems we could put into place. And so from a personal development standpoint, I would also suggest reading The Go-Giver. It was really, really a big one that I've read like eight times <laughs> in the last two weeks. Um, Because I think if you're going to dive into reading books, read a book, sit on it, read it again, and see how to implement and make it your own. Yeah. Love it. Well, what I would recommend to you, and I recommend it to a lot of people, is The War of Art. Mm. By Stephen Pressfeld. So it's super small. Yeah. But like each reading is only like two pages, but it talks about the resistance and that resistance that we feel. So yummy. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, you so read like good. two pages and I just want to go beat down a wall. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely add it to the list. Fantastic. And it's one of those books, like you're never going to read it straight through, but yeah. anytime you're feeling resistance, 
this for all you listeners too, by the way. Um, anytime you're feeling resistance, take that two minutes, read a page, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it pumps you up in this weird, super nerdy way, which I, I know everyone's going to love. It's fantastic. Fantastic. This has been fun. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to circle back and do another one of these because we could have talked all day. <laughs> <laughs> but we have schedules because we're busy operators. Um, where can the listeners find out more about you? Probably the best place would be following me or friending me on Facebook. I post a lot of stream of consciousness. Um, I obviously have a group as well. It's called Process to Profit on Facebook. Um, yeah, you can even send me a DM if you have any questions. And of course, um, Adam here is the best when it comes to speaking to operator to operator. So, yeah. Fantastic. And yes, her Facebook posts are ridiculously awesome. She's one of the best organic Facebook posters I've seen. I don't think she's even trying. She's just doing Alexis, which is awesome. <laughs> so I always enjoy when you show up on my feed and I might seek it out every now and then. So thank but. you. It's been so much fun. I am just so happy that the universe found a way to connect us together somehow. How that happened, I don't know. But that's the fun thing about life. And I look forward to staying in touch. And just it's it's so cool to meet like-minded people and geek out and find out that we are not alone in this world. And there are people that are there to support us and inspire us even again. So Absolutely incredible thank you so much and one last thing for anyone listening is if you made it all the way through the podcast if you heard it all you didn't get oh too overwhelmed and you got excited you should feel really proud of yourself because there's a million and ten things you could have been doing with this time and you took the time to listen to learn and to get inspired hopefully and invest more time and energy into adam so thank you Hey, before you bounce out of here, I have a free strategy session available exclusively for my podcast audience. In this 30-minute phone call, we'll unveil the immediate steps you can take to operationalize your business and put you back in the driver's seat. Just go to www.adamliette.com and click start here.